Cases of coronavirus are exploding all over the world, especially in Europe. And the United States has its first no-contact tracing available community transmission. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Martinson. This is your coronavirus update here on February 27, 2020. I'm having trouble calling it COVID-19, following the WHO's lead on anything. It's just I'm so annoyed with the WHO at this point, if not angry at them, for what they have done in failing to provide appropriate leadership and to uh, do what they needed to do in order to be honest, open, transparent about this, and maybe, maybe get uh, their hands around a little bit to uh, limit this. So at any rate... uh, I think the best name we've got for this right now is the honey badger virus because, man, you just can't put this thing down. It just keeps coming. And let's go to the numbers real quick here if we can. Um, So we got a lot of numbers to look at today, and I had to break this into three uh, separate pieces because it won't all fit on one screen anymore. Um, China, what are you going to say? I don't know. Um, You know, we'll see what happens, especially as they try and go back to work. South Korea, look at this, 505 cases 13 total deaths now, uh, just 24 recovered, only 18 in serious critical. That number is going to explode. I'm not sure why. I don't, I don't have any way to account for that particular number. No news off the disaster princess for today. Uh, that's good news as far as that thing's concerned. Italy, though, 655 cases. Actually, that's higher now. This I pulled these numbers just a little while ago, so they've vaulted some since. I think the 17 deaths is still the right case count there. Iran, super low ball, but, uh, you know, something's happening there. And uh, we'll see what's going on. Japan, also starting to really uh, show up here. So this is the theme. This is the progression that you'll see. There'll be a few cases, a few cases. There's going to be a lot of hopeful things. Maybe they've caught all the cases. They've done all the contact tracing, and then things really explode. This makes no sense whatsoever. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, And it's just... Uh, what can I tell you? I, I'm really disappointed in the leadership here in the United States around that. All right. Um, Kuwait, bunch of cases. That's a, a big, big increase. A lot of these uh, tracing back to Iran. So whatever Iran and Italy have, I really want to see that stuff sequenced and sequenced soon. I've not been able to find any sequencing of that to see if it hasn't had some sort of a mutation, a critical mutation, because it just seems more virulent, a little bit more deadly, or... More likely, we just weren't getting the complete story out of China. And maybe the right story out of China was watching their actions, not their reported numbers. And their actions included really draconian efforts at containment and uh, putting people uh, into quarantines that were pretty harsh and still exist uh, as harsh uh, measures in, in a number of key areas, particularly in Hubei province. Germany, they were right to get out in front of that and say that they felt like now they were uh, on a epidemic pathway and facing a pandemic Thailand, not a chance. These are correct. Um, France, big, big jump, 20-plus cases there. And uh, Spain, uh, also hopping now at this point in time. Oops, went a little far there. Um, And you can see here, we're starting to see a lot of these cases in Europe really go forward. Iraq reporting uh, a case in Baghdad. That's very troubling, of course, uh, for something like that to show up there with its medical systems in the state that it's in. And Switzerland, big jump here. Austria, big jump. So just look at the pattern here, and you can sort of see what's going on. Now, back to the U.S. Let's talk about this. No new cases. Really? Um, Remember, there's weak testing. This is as of February 26, 445 total cases. They're still saying, as of yesterday, only 14 confirmed cases. But we know that's not the right number because there's a lot of cases of ones that, that got brought back here from 
the disaster Princess cruise ship and all that other stuff. And, and it's even more confusing than that. So the governor of California, coronavirus is changing by the hour. This is a very recent article here from this morning. Um, governor Newsom said this changes quite literally by the hour. As of last count, 31 people have been identified as having the coronavirus in the state of California. Uh, wait a minute. Hold on. 31. Where'd that come from? His updated number differs from that currently being reported by the state's public health department, who he should probably talk to them. I think they, they should talk, which is publicly reporting only 10 cases in the state. Uh, that's I don't know what to make of that. I just think it's very hard to keep your numbers straight when you're not telling and being transparent and giving the truth, nothing but the truth and the whole truth. At any rate, uh, something that just smells bad and it, it, it erodes trust when you see things uh, happen like that. Soon after his comment, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention also confirmed a new California case that is the first example of coronavirus transmitted from person to person in the general public and not related to travel. That person is a resident of Solano County, where hundreds of people have been quarantined over the last few weeks. Oh, I guess how's that quarantine working out? Um, and the patient is receiving medical care and da 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 da. I want to talk about that case in particular, not because one case in the United States merits a whole lot of attention necessarily uh, compared to other parts of the world, but just because it really shows what we're facing here in the United States. A lot of my listeners are from the United States. I'm from the United States, so pardon me if I take a little bit uh, too much of an interest here, but this is just really important. Um, you notice here how this is sort of uh, phrased here. You know, it's it's pretty passive, uh, new case, uh, transmitted person to person in the general public, not related to travel. But let's bear in a little bit. Here was the press release around this, came out, got a hold of this this morning, um, and just let this settle in. Today, we learned a patient we are treating here at UC Davis Medical Center for the novel coronavirus is being investigated by the CDC as a possibly, as possibly the first patient to receive the infection from exposure in the community. A patient was transferred to us from another Northern California Hospital on Wednesday, February 19th. Okay, when the patient arrived, the patient had already been intubated. Now, that's a fairly invasive procedure. There's a good chance you're going to get um, airborne things happening around that process. That tubation process can really um, be messy. Uh, was on a ventilator and given droplet protection orders because of an undiagnosed and suspected viral condition. Since the patient arrived with a suspected viral infection, our care teams have been taking the proper infection infection prevention, that's contact droplet precautions during the patient's stay. Ooh, this is coded statement right here. If, they're, if I'm these people, I'm pissed. And this is what they say. Uh, because of a suspected viral infection, our care teams have been taking proper infection prevention, including, which is contact droplet. Upon admission, our team asked public officials if this case could be COVID-19. We requested COVID-19 testing by the CDC. Since neither Sacramento County nor CDPH is doing testing for coronavirus at this time. So no local testing. That's what uh, Singapore is doing so well. Local, on-the-spot testing. Test early, test often. They're just test kits. Cost a few hundred bucks or whatever they cost. Do it. Since the patient did not fit the existing CDC criteria for COVID-19, a test was not immediately administered. Ooh, we don't know what kind of time frame is missing here. UC Davis Health does not control... The testing process. On Sunday, the CDC ordered a COVID-19 testing of the patient. The patient was put on airborne precautions, oh, which is what they should have been on the whole time, and strict contact precautions because of our concerns 
about the patient's condition. Today, the CDC confirmed the patient's test was positive. Today. So <clears throat> at any rate, they put this person, person finally all on their own on airborne precautions. But that's Sunday, Wednesday to Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's four whole days where this person was just on dr contact droplet precautions but could have been airborne. And who even knows how long they were at the other hospital prior to this Wednesday admission. This is sloppy, sloppy work. And that's what this week testing regime will give you. This is putting healthcare workers at risk. This is putting uh, the general public at risk. There is no excuse for this. None whatsoever, except for you just don't want to know what the results are going to be so you don't test. And it's really a fairly deliberate policy right now, very angering. This person wrote, a school near me, a school trip returned from northern Italy. Teacher is now being tested after showing symptoms, but 30 school children aren't. Think about that. I guess uh, they're not symptomatic and they don't have any direct travel to China, even though they went to another hotspot. So it's it's like they don't even know about the incubation period, but they don't even know about the hotspots that are going on elsewhere. This is, uh, I, there's just no good excuse for this at this point in time. I'm out of words. I really am. In Italy, Italy, um, uh, it, this was this morning when I woke up uh, and was, uh, no, I woke up much earlier than this. It's what, it's 4.30 now. Um, I was up at four o'clock this morning. So, but I found uh, this story first that Italy confirmed 75 new cases of coronavirus, two new deaths, totaling 528 cases and 14 deaths. And I just thought I'd contrast that because uh, probably an hour ago, hour and a half ago, when I pulled this, Italy is now 127 new cases, three new deaths, raising the country's total to 655 and 17 dead. And Odysseus here on Twitter put together a really helpful. Uh, chart which says a table here which says the countries that Italy infected in just the last two days 17 countries it's probably higher than that a couple more hours have passed since this got put together so uh, look at how virulent this thing really really is going now to the rest of Europe some of these coming from Italy some of them coming from Iran some of them coming from who knows where we've got Northern Ireland now reporting in France with their 20 cases Sweden's got their five new cases Spain two new cases here uh, both cases don't have travel history. That's not good news. Uh, a new case in Valencia, Spain, was confirmed in a soccer fan who traveled to Milan for a Champions League game on February 19th. About 2,500 fans from Valencia also traveled to northern Italy that day. So you can see what uh, Spain is up against here. And also the first case in the Netherlands just got reported out uh, just uh, less than an hour ago when I picked this up. Moving on, Iran. Iran is confirming 104 new cases. I think that's probably off by one, maybe two orders of magnitude. Uh, four new deaths also off total of 245 cases now and 26 deaths. Not even remotely possible. They have 245 cases given all the places it's already spread to. And especially considering uh, key people such as um, one of Iran's vice presidents is tested now positive for coronavirus. And Iran's former ambassador to the Vatican has died of coronavirus. And very worryingly, a 23-year-old Iranian woman has died of coronavirus in Qom. So it's, Iran is starting to show us, uh, maybe it's their uh, medical system, it's weak, maybe, again, I want to see this thing get sequenced. I, I'm very worried that this something has happened already and this is a mutated virus, But because now we're, it looks like young people are getting hit. South Korea uh, picked this from uh, up from um, Helen Branswell on Twitter. 
South Korea's case numbers jumped 40% today, morning and afternoon reports, going from 1261 to 1766. So you can see the shape of all of this right here. And this is just how an exponential or geometric progression works. You can see these deaths are way down here, but they follow along eventually. They've got about a seven-day lag or so. So you, these cases of deaths right here, where you see there's uh, 12 deaths being reported here, we'd have to count back seven days, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, to discover those 12 are probably against only 51 people who are known to be infected. Of course, that number could be a, could be much higher, probably is much higher. But at any rate, you don't divide 12 by 1766 to get the case fatality rate. You have to know you know that there's a at least a seven day from symptom onset to death uh, period, and so you got to back count a little bit. Um, at any rate, we won't know the true case fatality rate till all is said and done. So I see a lot of people bandying these numbers around saying it's only 2%, it might be 1%. Nobody knows. We're not going to know until um, all of the, 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 uh, until the cases have actually peaked. And then we'll have a chance to let the, the deaths catch up and peak. And then we can compare those two peaks against each other and, and get a better sense of all this. Best, of course, to wait until everything is all said and done. Then we'll know better. This thing isn't contained, not even remotely. You heard about the case probably of the Korean air flight attendant, you know, the people who hand out the drinks, uh, with coronavirus, reportedly serviced 400-seat aircraft that flew between South Korea and the U.S. twice, uh, and also flew to um, this cabin crew member flew to Ben-Gurion Airport in Israel uh, that brought some 200 South Korean pilgrims to Israel, many of whom were later confirmed to have the virus um, the flight attendant's diagnosis adds to the weight the possibility that the group may have already been infected when they were in Israel, although the incidents could be separate. Um, don't know yet. So uh, obviously, um, Israel's got a big problem on their hands there as well uh, around that, because once this thing gets hold and starts spreading, well, you know, it's low at first and then it takes off. But that's they all look like that. That's everybody has hope down here. Hey, we caught all the cases. You know, uh, hey, there's only a few cases, but for those of us who were watching, there was a doubling, 12, 24, doubling, a doubling, watching these doubling periods, uh, very frightening, watching how fast it spreads. We're getting another case report now of a reinfection, and uh, we're going to tear this apart a little bit because I think people are, might be getting confused about this, and maybe I'm confused, but let's see what we can do to make sense of it. Japan confirms first case of person being reinfected with COVID-19, uh, the honey badger virus. Now, we've been um, uh, talking about this reinfection uh, a bit because we had a lot of reports out of China. I'll go to some of those in just a second. This is a very recent report. It says here, while there have been a number of cases of reinfection in China, notably in the Wuhan province, where the coronavirus outbreak originated late last year, second positive tests have not been reported elsewhere in the world. The woman in Osaka, Western Japan, who's in her 40s, tested positive on Wednesday after developing a sore throat and chest pains, she was first diagnosed with COVID-19 in late January and was discharged from the hospital on the 1st of February. That would be 26 days ago. And her reinfection has health experts worrying the illness could remain dormant after an apparent recovery. Um, yeah, once you know, this uh, professor of microbiology, pathology, NYU says, once you have the infection, it could remain dormant and with minimal symptoms, and then you can get an exacerbation if it finds its way into the lung. So that could be, uh, it's called a bimodal uh, a disease state. Uh, anthrax has that. Some, some diseases have it. It's not unheard of. 
But that would be a really long dormant period if she'd already been discharged on the 1st of February. And then, um, yes, uh, 26 days later, she's readmitted. However, uh, I want to also point out the idea that it's possible that this new illness she have might just be the flu. It might not even be related to this because, as we've learned, um, tons of people uh, are now known to, to be testing positive well after they've recovered. And we've gone through this in prior uh, uh, video updates before, but the data now says that about 14% of patients who recovered, quotes around that word, I hope, recovered from the novel coronavirus and were discharged from hospitals in southern China's Guangdong province were tested positive again in later checkups. So that's good to do. They didn't show back up the hospital because they were sick. They just checked up and they're like, oh, gosh, you're testing positive on our on our nucleic acid tests here. So um, a positive test suggests the recovered patients may still carry the virus, adding complexity to efforts to control the outbreak. The great part next, this is really important. There is no clear conclusion on why it happens and whether such patients could still be infectious. So it's possible they're testing positive but aren't infectious, that that the body has neutralized those virus particles. They could be coated with antibodies and totally non-infective, but still you would pick them up on your uh, COVID-19 test. That's a possibility. So tracking this reinfection closely, because if it's true that you can get reinfected, very bad, awful. Hopefully what's happened here is this woman uh, came back, she would have tested positive no matter what, and she just has a normal flu. Hey, bad luck, it happens sometimes, um, but second infections happen all the time. Many people are having a really tough adjustment. My uh, Twitter feed was absolutely crushed today um, with people who were uh, really just having a hard time processing this. Uh, they were doing shoot the messenger. They were uh, making really poor analogies. They were doing anything they could to avoid looking at this. I've blanked their names out because I'm not here to shame anybody, but you're probably running into this a lot too. Things like this. Well, let's see if that happens. Why panic? For most, it's a mild cold. Uh, you know, It's a very dismiss dismissive attitude for something that is as serious as what we're facing right now. This person wrote, just learned that 400,000 Americans die every year from surgical mistakes, according to a speech I'm watching, yet we panic over coronavirus, uh, suggesting that we're, you know, just panicking. Lots of people saying, yeah, we agree with that, right? Retweeting this, uh, saying, yeah, let's do that. Uh, actually, they got that part wrong. Uh, it's about 250,000 people die from medical mistakes, not surgical mistakes. But uh, that's a, a bad comparison because uh, surgical mistakes do not progress geometrically and um, overwhelm your hospital system uh, when they when they do. So, but this is just people struggling. I totally get it. You're among the people who know how to manage your emotions enough to take in this information and begin to prepare appropriately and prudently. So, I just want to point out you're probably facing this as well. And we've got some uh, articles at uh, Peak Prosperity talking about this exact dynamic and how to face it. All right, here we. All right, here here's where I, uh, you know, begin to have my own tough adjustment because this coronavirus task force was put together. It includes a Treasury Secretary, so a former Goldman guy, uh, and a former CNBC uh, economist commentator, have been added to the Trump administration's coronavirus task force with uh, Vice President Mike Pence um, office. Uh, Pence is going to lead this thing, so. Not my dream team for a coronavirus task force. I got to be honest with you. And I'm really unimpressed with Dr. Jerome Adams. He gave some really, really bad, awful testimony in front of Congress today where he was asked pointedly, should people consider having extra food in their house? And he said no. 
And that's even against what's on the old CDC website. So, is, uh, you know, at any rate, um, just awful, uh, just ter- terrible, terrible advice. He, he, he was really way out of his element there, and, and, and it showed. But you want to know what's completely, totally not okay, and I have different color, bold italics to really emphasize how not okay I am with this. Uh, the White House moved on Thursday to tighten control of coronavirus messaging by government health officials and scientists, directing them to clear all statements in public appearance with the office of Mike Pence, according to several officials familiar with this new approach. And it's been confirmed. I got two reports around um, that idea, even though this one is quoting that one, but I assume they fact-checked it. Um, so, yeah, they place Mike Vince, Pence in charge of uh, messaging about the virus. I don't need messaging. I need testing. We need data. We need uh, uh, real good information around that. All right. How did the markets respond? Badly to this whole thing, right? The Dow was down uh, over a thousand points. Today. These are futures. So are a little off from the actual numbers that you're going to see if you're just checking market numbers. But this is just showing uh, I like the futures because I get it all at once. This is off of finviz.com. I just love this particular daily chart. I'm, I'm uh, uh, looking at it every day. Crude oil, this is uh, down 4.43%. That's really, really rough. We've got uh, the DAX down nearly 5%. Eurostox down 5%. Nikkei 4%. NASDAQ nearly 5%. This is this is tough. Uh, the, the markets are really in full meltdown. So I'm not sure the markets were okay with this approach either. I guess not. So now you're thinking, what should I do? I got to get to this uh, very quickly here. I've been asked this a lot. Of course, you should have a deep pantry. How much? Up to you. What do I have? I am minimally prepared for myself roughly one year. And that's because I think I'm going to be preparing for a lot of people who aren't prepared themselves. And so I'm uh, planning to have at least three months of food on hand for myself, and then I'll have extra. What you do is up to you, but our approach at Peak Prosperity is you buy things you would already eat. You just buy more of them. You should have a deep pantry. You're going to eat them anyway. So have it. It'll make you feel a ton better when you do. If you can, you're going to want to get some of these type of masks. These are for people who are sick. They do a great job of catching the illness. If when somebody who's sick is coughing or sneezing, you don't want those particles to become airborne. You don't want, you want those caught right at uh, the point um, right there. They should have some sort of a, of a, a, a waterproof backing on this side. And then the other side, which is cottony and absorbed, absorptive, that goes against your face. So when you cough or sneeze, it catches those particles because it's much, much easier to catch them at the point source which is somebody's mouth and nose, rather than um, having to wipe everything down uh, once they've gone airborne. Uh, Second, this is the type of mask that you might wear if you're a healthy person because it's got a valve on it that makes the drawing in air is a little hard because it has to come through this filter, but the valve flaps out when you breathe. You don't want this one on the sick person, obviously, because they're just going to breathe all those particles right out. So this is for the sick person. This is for the healthy person. All right. And then if you want to scare the kids or have something that you could use to, for Halloween, get one of those. Uh, but I wouldn't recommend that. You don't need that. Just making a joke there. I would get, and this is what I have done, you need eye protection because this thing is airborne. So uh, these DeWalt uh, construction goggles, I find them really good. They've got foam all the way around the edges, so no open holes on the sides so that they don't have um, easy airflow. And uh, they're going to do a great job of protecting you if it comes to that. And as well, if you have uh, medicine concerns, you are going to want to, if you can, uh, stock up on those. Uh, Not many doctors will do that, but if you can, if you've got a good one, think that through. People who are on critical medications, it's going to be important, particularly if you've got elderly people who are self-isolating 
or being quarantined and can't make it to get their medicines, figure out how you can help them go and get those. These are the basic things, you know, as long as you have food, water, some personal protection equipment, of course, you're going to need gloves as well on this. Uh, By the way, if, you you know, uh, the surgical gloves are fine, but food grade gloves, I think, work really well. They're cheap. Very easy to dispose of, um, uh, and you can just strip them off, and so those uh, could work as well in a pinch because a lot of these things are hard to find now, and you're going to have to be creative. But you know what? What should I do is a really, really huge topic, and we have a lot going on around that at Peak Prosperity. And so one of our users, D. Trammell, big golf claps here for Tramp, no, regular clapping, has just done a heroic job combing through all of the information that's just pouring into our, our website and is condensed it into three giant current threads. Thread one, home prep, deep pantry, gardening, mega thread, all kinds of things you want to do there medicinals, herbals, and supplements. You want to keep yourself healthy. There are a lot of ideas that people have coming in from all sorts of doctors, naturopaths, and people and and private individuals who have experience around things like vitamin C, vitamin D, um, things that can really help. A lot of it with tons of scientific backing around it to support what we're talking about, including the idea of um, elderberry syrup, which I'm a big fan of, in which the New England Journal of Medicine double-blind placebo-controlled things tells you is very good at blocking uh, viral replication in your body. So awesome stuff. We've got great advice there as well. Sanitation, personal protective equipment, the PPE, self-quarantine mega thread. If you do have people sick at home, how you would make a sick room, how you would put personal protection equipment on, take it off again, how you would sanitize, what kind of uh, chemicals you would use, like bleach, what solutions, how often. All that is right in these mega threads. These links for these, I'm not going to make you go chase these down. These are going to be down here below in uh, posted at the top in, in the description of this video. So if you want to find these threads and just click on them, uh, you can find them there. What else? Well, a lot of people now are doing this and postponing all non-essential travel. Um, that can make a lot of sense, but that's a very personal decision. But a lot of companies are already uh, undertaking that step. Accumulate funds as much as possible. The rainy day is here. You're going to want to eliminate any discretionary expenses if funds are already tight in your household. Uh, This could be a real uh, slog to get through this period, and so I think you're going to want to keep a lot of powder dry. Be ready to be bored. Um, Quarantines are boring. Get lots of books, games, and complex hobbies that can be done at home. Make, I don't know, battleships out of toothpicks, whatever you're up to. Um, And then take deep breaths, get good sleep. You're really going to need to be as calm and as, as you possibly can and to be as healthy as possible. Again, we're facing something. It's not the flu. It's not SARS. It's not MERS. It's really, it's just a, a very, it's the honey badger virus. It's really quite awful in terms of what it's capable of doing. And if those secondary infections come around, I haven't put those on here yet because I haven't confirmed that those are real yet, but those may come in. A secondary infection, of course, would be um, bad, especially if it leads to this where the second exposure leads to maybe a worse outcome. We don't know about that yet, so let me not highlight that too much till we have more data. My conclusions today, in most of Europe and the U.S., it's really almost too late to prepare, but not too late. You can still go down. I was just at Costco yesterday. Nobody else was really doing much here in my corner of the world. Um, And uh, so I think there's still time to do whatever preparing you want. Do it responsibly. Don't hoard. Um, Don't set anything off. But if, you know, everybody ought to be building a deep pantry at this point in time. I believe the U.S. is just about to join Europe in a giant case explosion, and it looks like this. 
Nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, a couple. It's okay. We have it under control. Uh-oh. That's just how this thing has been going. That's how it's gone in country after country. I see no reason why it should be any different in the U.S. Financial markets totally unprepared for this, and they're starting to play a little bit of catch-up with this whole idea, and uh, it could get ugly from here. That's ugly, but I mean really ugly. And uh, the, the Federal Reserve's just done an awful job of getting everybody ready for this by... Um, just pumping liquidity into markets and uh, allowing debt levels to just go into stupid levels again. So here we are. Um, just got to deal with it. Iran's case numbers probably in the tens and tens and tens of thousands right now. And I really want to see that um, virus of theirs sequenced. And you got to use any remaining moments you have here to prepare uh, because it's I say it's coming. It's, it's already here. So the question is, how fast does it come on and uh, what are the responses going to be? And what's that going to look like? And as well, you may not be getting useful, high-quality information from the U.S. task force, uh, who is now going to be scrubbing uh, health officials and scientists' uh, warnings. So it's very important that I continue to do what I do, but you have to be ready for this as well. These channels and stations may well be taken off, and we have to be ready for that as well. So if I were you, I would screenshot a lot of this stuff. I would capture it. I would take it. I'm going to do this as long as I am allowed to continue to talk to you as as frankly and as honestly as I can and give you the advice that I believe you need to be safe. But I may not be allowed to do that for long. We don't know. Uh, So hopefully that's not the case. But if it is, um, just do what you can to be ready and be prepared. So with that, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, folks. Adam Taggart here. Chris Martinson and I are the co-founders of Peak Prosperity. If you want to get alerted whenever we release a new video from Chris, just click the red subscribe button right beneath the YouTube video player. Once you've done that, a little bell icon will appear right next to it. Click on that bell. It looks like this. And that's it. The next time we publish a video from Chris, you'll immediately receive a notification from YouTube. Thanks for watching our videos.